disciples were, were gathered around him, and he came to. And so they, they brought him back to the house, and the very next day, they went on preaching. I mean, I can't imagine the toughness of not only the, the physical toughness of a guy like that, but what about the spiritual toughness to think, you know, I just almost lost my life. Maybe I ought to be a little quieter now and, and not do this. But he didn't do that. He went on and continued to preach and teach the gospel. And, and so he's come back to, to Antioch and told them all that's going on. And so now we get into chapter 15, the narrative of what takes place after he gets back to Antioch. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So when, when we get into chapter 15 then, we see that there is a resistance to the advancement of the gospel and the advancement of the church. Always going to be that. We we, we have resistance in our community. We have resistance in our state. We have resistance in our country. We have resistance all over the, the, uh, the globe. And, um, and I think I mentioned this before. There are more people martyred today for their stand on Christianity than any time ever in history. And so we're, we're not talking about a time where uh, there is no martyrdom. There is still today, and and there is a great resistance. And there's always going to be resistance to uh, the gospel message. And Satan's going to do everything he can to to hinder that message. Well, he's gone into the church at Antioch, and and there are those. And we're going to find out that there are some of these that that are teaching that hey, you need to be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Or, or otherwise, you're truly not a disciple of Christ. And so we have legalism starting to, to, to creep in uh, to the church. And it goes on, it says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, you think? I'm, you know, Paul wasn't going to sit back and, and allow this to go. Barnabas obviously wasn't going to also. And so here they are, there was, there was not a small dissension and disputation with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem under the apostles and elders about this question. Fine, you, you guys say that we have, you have to be circumcised. We say that you don't. We'll go up to the church that's in Jerusalem and there we'll sit down with a big council and we can sit down with a church where, where everything is started and let's get, this, let's get it all settled. And, and so the, the legalists have come out and being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And, and that, that's what we ought to have. I, I, have, a, I have a list of, of pastor friends that I pray for every day, and, and I pray that God blesses them. I pray that they see people saved and that they see their churches grow and that they make an impact in their community and they are used worldwide to reach those around and, and and I praise the Lord for that. I love getting on. There are some things about Facebook that are good. I, I have a number of, uh, of churches that I follow on Facebook and, and watch their live stream when they, they come on Facebook. There's four or five of those that I, that I watch and enjoy watching the services. And some of those are on the East Coast, so they're two hours before me. So I can watch some of those live before church and, and see how they're doing and, and praying for them and and how we need to rejoice when we hear other churches that are growing and, and, 
and people are being saved. And here, uh, Paul, he wasn't going to be stopped in, in his doctrinal stand. He knew what was true. He knew that the legalists were going to be shown that they were wrong in what they were doing. And here they are, they have their entourage, they're headed to Jerusalem, and everywhere they go, Paul is telling the other believers along the way, he's given a report and saying, hey, we went into all these areas. We went into Cyprus. We went into, and then we moved on up into uh, Phrygia and, and, and uh, uh, Iconium and all of those places. And people were saved and they, and they were baptized and they joined the church and they're growing and they're being discipled. And, and when people heard that, there, it caused a great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church now the apostles and the elders, the, the pastors, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And so they were, obviously here, they were teaching then that to be a true disciple, then a genuine believer, a genuine disciple, you had to be circumcised to do that. Now, the th interesting thing that I see is that these are some Pharisees that had believed. And so they were saved. And, and, and here, saved by grace, but now they're starting to put something on the rest of these believers that whenever they trusted Christ and, and the Gentiles that trusted Christ, well, hey, if you're really going to be a true disciple, then you have to be circumcised. And so that was, that was the issue. And, and we need to remember what, what legalism is. Legalism is, is defined, uh, um, it, it has the idea of, of I, I think, a, a work or a deed that provides for salvation or for a greater degree of God's love. That's legalism. And, but whenever you start looking at the Bible and what people like to throw out today, it is not legalism. Look, there, there have been times where, where preachers have been chastised because they say that, it, that it's not a good thing for a man to have long hair. And in our society, many are you know, walking around with their long hair. Well, the scriptures say that, that a man is not to have the hair of a woman. And it tells us that. And tells us that we shouldn't do that. And, and that's not legalism when you preach that. It's not legalism when you preach against ungodly entertainment. David said in Psalm 101, verse 3, that I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. And so, but you get accused of these things that, well, you're just a legalist by, by uh, expecting those kinds of things. And, and, and you get in trouble when you, when you preach and you teach on modesty. Well, now you've become very legalistic in your standards. Look, go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and there it talks about the modest woman. And look, we know, we understand you, most of you here have, have, are married and been married, and, and ladies, you understand that someone dresses provocatively, then you're, you're going to cause somebody to stumble along the way. And, and our society is, is ludicrous. It almost is like pushing to the point to where, where a woman can act like an animal, dress like to get an animalistic response, and it's the man's fault all the time. Now, yeah, you still got to control your own actions. I understand that. You dress like an animal, you act like an animal, you're going to get treated like an animal. Just the way it is. And I just told my wife this week, I need to learn to not be so harsh. And I just blew it. You know? 
But it's the truth that we need to, we need to be aware uh, of, and, and our society today is, is crazy in the things that they're headed towards. And, and so here, that, that's not, that is not legalism in teaching those things. That's biblical. Those are the things that we ought to be doing. But what they were doing was legalism. Hey, for you to truly be saved or for you to uh, at least be a good disciple of Christ, then you need to be circumcised. Well, God loves you anyway. Your, your faith is in Christ, not in your works. And that's a whole other dilemma. That, and it's those times where you have Galatians written, you have Ephesians written, Philippians, Colossians. That's when Paul is writing all of those to deal with all those problems that, that they were having being brought up by that. And so here, here we have the issue. Well, now we go on and we see that here they are. They're in, they're in uh, Jerusalem and Peter is there. And so it tells us, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And we see Peter's answer. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Remember, we went over this where where Peter came to Jerusalem and he rehashed everything that went on with Cornelius and how Peter had had the dream and, and said, there's going to be some men come to you and I want you to go with them. And, and so Peter comes down and they're knocked on the door and he, and he answers them, he says, yes, I'm supposed to go with you. And so the next day they got up and they went to Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and went into his home. And, and here was Cornelius with all of his family, all of his friends, all of his co-workers, in, in the house, and they said, hey, we want to know about this Jesus, and we want to know about how to be saved, and, and it's there that, that uh, Peter uh, had seen the dream about the eating of the, the, the animals and the unclean animals that they had had at the time, and, and how that all of this was to, to be changed, and, and so Peter is rehashing that and saying, look, you remember, God has shown us, and he showed me that the Gentiles are saved by believing just like us. So let's not forget that. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness. He declared them. He confirmed them. He, he, he approved of them, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference. There is absolutely no difference, no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. And something else God always does this and always emphasizes this. Faith is, is, is placed first for an emphasis. The faith cleanses their hearts. The faith cleanses their hearts. And so here, pushing and showing them that, look, it is by faith that they're saved also. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. And so there was, and whenever you look at this, and, and then it goes on, and he says, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So I find something interesting in this, and, and Satan has a, a way of trying to hinder things, and, and that's another thing. If you want to know how to pray for our church, then pray that, that God doesn't allow, allow Satan to hinder the, the gospel going out, that, 
God doesn't allow Satan to, to bring dissension and doesn't bring legalism in or, or some other thing that could be promoted that could, that could hinder our church family and our, our church body and, and, and uh, to, to keep that up. Because one thing you'll notice during this time, they're dealing with the dissension, they're dealing with the disruption, the false teaching of the, of the Pharisees and, and the legalistic ideas. Well, this hinders Paul from going out and sharing the gospel. It hinders the church from growing. You don't hear of anything going on other than dealing with the issue. I, I, and, and you can see that today. If you're in, in a local church of, of any time at all, you find that if there is a disruption in what's going on and there's, there's some kind of a dissension that's going on, it's almost like it, it, God doesn't pull back, but, but God does stop things from, from happening. Until you get things settled, you got to get it resolved. You you have to get the restoration that that God wants. And and here it was the same way with this church. And we see that there was a lot of things that that weren't happening. But then in verse twelve, here we see that Barnabas and Paul that they, they uh, make a declaration. Then all the multitude kept silence. So it seemed at first that when they went into Jerusalem, that they just met with the leaders, but here the multitude, the entire crowd, obviously now it seems like it was more of an open church setting where all the believers were there. And, and our churches today and our pastors today would be wise in, in taking up this example too and having open dialogue and open communication and transparency in the decisions that are made. We, we need to always be open and, and allow the church body to decide the direction that we are going. There, there are a lot of preachers that don't like that. There are a lot that are very cautious with that, and they would rather have just a small handful of, of an operating board that decides everything. But I believe our church, and look, as your pastor, and Wes is the associate pastor, as the, as the deacons that we have, you give us a lot of liberty to make, some, make decisions of, of the everyday business of the church, but when it comes to big decisions and things that we ought to do, look, it all comes down to us doing it and making that decision and looking to, to God and, and trusting Him and, and, and pushing forward the, the agenda that, that God has. And so here, all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And so here I see that we start seeing, how do we deal with the dissension? Well, Peter reminded them of God's word and reminded them of the power of the gospel and how it was by faith alone that they were saved. Now you have Paul and Barnabas reminding them of, remember what God has done, and they rehashed all of the wonderful miracles that God had done and, and how people had been saved and trusting the Lord and and. And all of this is coming back to you, 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 saw, you solved the issue by the Scripture. You solved the issue by the teaching of God's Word. You solved the issue by looking to God and, and having a, a discussion that will uh, keep things clear and, and, and evaluate then the decisions you make based upon what the Scripture has to say. Well, now we're going to go on, but we're not going to tonight because I could probably get a little further 
but then we'll be late, and so we're going to stop early, all right? But we're going to see uh, James steps in as a pastor and his exhortation. We're going to see then the response of the church in Jerusalem and how they respond to all the teaching that, that they've been uh, uh, given. And then they're going to take this back to the church at Antioch, and we'll see the reaction to the church at Antioch. And, and then right at the end, when you think everything's good and now we can get moving on, then you're going to find a damaged relationship and how Satan is constantly, constantly trying to hinder what's going on. And there is always a resistance to the advancement of the gospel and the advancement of the church. We need to be aware of that, watch for that, and guard against that. And we'll always see God's blessings as we look to him and are obedient to him and his word. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you guide us and direct us home safely. I pray that you use us in your work and in your ministry. And Lord, I pray you bring us back here safely when the doors are open. Guide us home in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.